I'm Kylie. And I'm Soraya. And welcome to But But Now Now What? The podcast that will provide you with the tips for supporting your loved ones. And just as importantly, we'll encourage you to take care of yourself while you're taking care of those you love. Just as a quick reminder, we're going to organize the podcast by sections. First, we'll follow up with past commitments and then give a brief overview of the new topic for a few minutes. We'll make sure to include resources and references to the information that we researched for this episode in the show notes. If this happens to be a topic that you aren't familiar with, those will be a good starting place in learning more. And then when you're feeling sufficiently frustrated, not knowing what to do next with the information you just learned, you can return and listen to the rest of the podcast episode. The rest of each episode will be geared towards discussion about what to do next with what you just learned about this specific topic. And then we'll finish out with a commitment for us to focus on for the next week. So Soraya, do you have a but now what moment for us this week? Yeah, I think a big but now what moment for me this last week was obviously the unprovoked Russian invasion into Ukraine. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about what this means and seeing videos or pictures of the atrocities that were committed under Putin's command. And I don't really have anything to add to that commentary and I don't know where to go with that information, which is, you know, the point of a but now at moment. But I do want to say that our thoughts and hearts are with those that are impacted by this conflict and to encourage people to educate themselves from reputable sources and not to make memes around this, mm-hmm. even though it can feel um, like uh, a lightning of the situation. It's not. It's it's yeah. trivializing people's lives. Um, people have been hurt and cool. they have died over these senseless acts. So I definitely had to log off of Twitter this week for that reason. Mm-hmm. On a slightly lighter note. My second but now what moment I had this week revolved around my social media use. Um, I typically use Instagram to connect with people and I'm the most present there. I use Facebook for groups and Marketplace Twitter as like a sarcastic journal that literally two or three people read and TikTok to learn and to laugh. And you know that I've quoted lots of TikTok videos for the last two months here and trends a lot. Yeah. Um, I had heard about someone who took a break from TikTok for about two months as a little experiment, and they said that their brain and behavior healed, quote, during that time. And by healed, this person meant that they hadn't been able to read books before, like while they were using social media Mm. um, or watch TV anymore because their attention span had become shorter. And so um, it made me think about my own activities I noticed that I have this problem that if I'm not actively doing something or if I have a free moment, I open my phone automatically. Um, I haven't sat in silence in a really long time. It's hard. It's scary. Yeah. Didn't you also say something to me the other day about how like the algorithm on Twitter or sorry, on TikTok TikTok. also like caters to those videos that are shorter. Yeah. The seven second ones that they were like pushing them through. Yeah. Um, I, I also noticed that I haven't picked up a craft in a long time, and that's, like, a big part of my personality. <laughs> um, we put it on our hoodies and everything. <laughs> um, I did read a lot of books in January, but then I didn't read very much at all in February. And um, also my patience with my kid and with other loved ones has been razor thin. So a week ago, last Friday, um, I deleted those apps off my phone And in my spare time that I didn't realize that I had, I read a whole ass book. Um, Proud of you. Ass is a word that we can say on this podcast. Yeah, I think we decided tier three, up to tier three swears. Okay. Um, I played music, like 
not just listening to other people play music. I played music myself. Wow. Yes. I didn't know you were a musician. I play the violin. I haven't heard you play the violin. I never will. I knew that you did. I've played a lot of instruments in my lifetime, and I don't know if I would share I them. I play the triangle. We can have a whole band. We should. I play Absolutely. the trumpet, too. We can do, like, a little solo. A triangle and a trumpet mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, anyways, <laughs> I also played a lot of games with O, um, and I went for walks almost every single day, sometimes multiple times in a day. Um, I cleaned up my house which was really great post my depressive episode (laughs) your house is immaculate stop um now again I'm not saying that like productivity is what determines um you know a good lifestyle or the fact that because I was on social media I couldn't be productive is a bad thing I feel like social media has a time and place and that there are lots of good things that can happen with social media but I did feel like my brain was and has been quieter um I've been in a better space with social media even compared to past years and I didn't recognize that it was still filling up my time and day so much um I don't know if what to do with that information I don't know if I'll go back to using social media obviously I have to a little bit for podcasts I was just gonna say that I'm sorry that if anyone noticed that we were kind of MIA for the week it's because I'm not very good at social media <laughs> no, so. Kylie is, and I just like <sighs> let her handle that um but I think that maybe what I will do in the future I'm just like whew, talking aloud to you all I will not put them on my phone, so it's not readily available. Mm. But I'll have it on my iPad so that I can, yeah, you can literally still do the work when you want to and yeah. you do, and not leave you to do everything, Kylie. Sorry, um, I definitely don't do um, anything. Uh, this is a really long but now moment, but no, I do want to say I that. that I didn't feel disconnected from people, which is what I feared would happen with social media, yeah. and I think that's because. I still had Marco Polo and messaging and FaceTime, and I met up with people in person this last week. Um, Whoa. I know. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Lots of big steps. <laughs> so I just kind of feel like I knew which people from social media that I wanted to connect with mm, and yeah. connected with them. And you're able to hear life updates and things from them, right? That yeah. You Those are the things that we worry that we will miss out on. But I also think on a week, especially like this week, when we already have so many big things happening in the yeah. world how especially overwhelming it can feel to like immerse yourself in a million videos and images of events that are taking place so far away that we're trying to feel connected to. But then Mm -hmm. the ways that we're connecting to these events is also just in the basis of, you know, the kind of media we're, we're consuming is impersonal because Mm -hmm. um, we don't know the people that whose stories we're watching and whose experiences we're following and so sometimes I think it can almost further us from the issue in, um, in that sense too. So 100%. it's hard. You want to engage and you want to know what's going on, but then to an extent, sometimes it's not helpful to know every single thing. About every single person yep. that you may or may not know. From high school who you should have unfollowed <laughs> five years ago. So thank you for sharing that. I also just wanted to give a little recap from our last episode. Our last week's episode was on making and maintaining friendships specifically as an adult. Um, and our challenge was to kind of evaluate our current friendships, identify how we feel most comfortable making friends, write down qualities of friendships that are important to you, and then reach out to someone new. So Kylie, I need some new friends this week. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm like, I was just getting excited for uh, to hear this update from you. Um, and I hung out with people that I hadn't in a long time. And I started communicating with people in different ways. Like I was just saying, through like Marco Polo um, mm. and Messenger and things like that. 
I like that those are separate, by the way, Messenger and Facebook. Um, and yeah, I feel really good. Um, it surprised me because, like I said, I got rid of socials last week, so I kind of thought this was going to be difficult. Um, but yeah, it was great overall. I want to share one thing that was hard. I have a good friend of mine that introduced me to um, their friends months ago, and they all live across the country, and so I've really only met with most of them in person once, um, but we talk over Facebook Messenger as a group all the time and occasionally chat over Zoom. Well, I always chicken out to talk over Zoom <laughs> um, because I have this imposter syndrome that they won't really want to chat with me, and they've all been friends for so long. Also, Zoom is hard. I'm just going to say that. It is hard. Zoom is hard. Especially it's trying to feel really connected. Where you can yeah. only see four people. Yeah, and you're like and swiping three. over, and you're like, how did this person react to what I say? You're swiping over to see what everyone's yes. faces are. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I told myself that I would do the Zoom this weekend. And right as the call is supposed to start, I chickened out and told Caleb, never mind. Um, we were already driving in the car, so I was like, oh, that's a good excuse. Um, but he was super validating and also just kind of encouraged me to get on. He was like, you know that you like these people. Even if you just get on and listen to them, do it. Um, and so I did get on, and Kylie was great. I'm so they proud of you. Great. I'm so yeah, proud of you. Yeah, and I even talked quite a bit. Wow. I mean, imagine that. I, like, can't shut up, but... <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it, but <laughs> um, I was really nervous, but I still think that's okay. Baby steps. Absolutely. How was it for you? I think there's so much power in just doing something that pushes us outside of our comfort zone, but then having an experience that reaffirms to us that whatever we were so nervous about was in our head, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that yeah. like, um, and that you can also validate and be like, yeah, I'm I'm nervous because it's a nerve wracking situation, like. Yeah entering a group of people who have been friends longer and feeling all those feelings come up of self-doubt or insecurity um those are not easy feelings to work through so I have a lot of respect for you for actually doing it um I feel like I was a little less successful but I mean success is all relative right absolutely um but it was an interesting week for me so I had a couple days off work um because I was starting a new, a new job, job. Just super fun. Um, and initially I was planning on using my time off to kind of catch up with a couple of friends who I don't get to see as often. I was also really excited about using that time to reprioritize friendship where I know we kind of talked about last week how how often we prioritize other things besides friendships. But the expectation versus the reality of how my week panned out were a little bit different. I ended up sleeping for about 40 straight. Your body needed it. <laughs> I honestly think that I had like three years of built up stress from my last job just like residing in my body. And my body had been crying out to rest. It's like ready to pounce. Um, yeah, I was like, I was so burned out mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, but what I did do is I really challenged myself to be super open and honest with my friends about how I needed that time to rest. Mm -hmm. And that was also nerve wracking, especially with like, I had, I was going to go out to lunch with uh, one of my old coworkers and I haven't even met her in person yet. Mm -hmm. And I was super excited to meet her and I was so excited to go to lunch with her. And then I felt so guilty that like I had to take that time to rest and, but I had a conversation with her, ended up calling her, and it went super well. And she was, of course, super supportive. And again, I think, like, for me, it's a lot easier for me to think of an excuse or try to even just, like, um, back myself out of a situation in any way except being honest with mm-hmm. people and saying, like, 
hey, it's actually like my mental or physical health that I need to prioritize right now. And that's why I can't make it. Um, It just feels uncomfortable to say that. (laughs) And I'm not really always great at like being super straightforward with that. But that's what I challenged myself to do this week was be more straightforward with those friends. And I think that like sometimes the strongest friendships come out of those moments of vulnerability where we do have to be open. And I was able to connect with this friend of mine um, about a tough time that she was going through recently. And we still had a great catch up, um, even though it ended up just being over <laughs> voice memos. <laughs> Are you surprised? I love voice memos. So anyways, I'm still going, going to challenge myself to reconnect with some people that I haven't had a chance to, but I'll have to circle back to it on a later episode. And I would love to hear about it later when you do. And again, I just want to validate you. You had a crazy week and I'm just glad that you took the time and space for yourself before starting your new job. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Okay, let's hop into this week's episode. I just want to give a little bit of a warning here that this week's episode topic and discussion is a little bit heavy. I tried to decide if it was appropriate or not appropriate to insert random like knock knock jokes throughout the whole episode <laughs> just to like keep the mood a little lighter. Let us know if you want a whole episode just on knock knock jokes. jokes. Yeah, yeah, I would love to give it a whole hour of straight knock knock jokes. And actually, if you're not there that week, I'd be happy to just do them to myself yeah. too. I could do all the parts the of the joke as well. Yeah, mm-hmm, and absolutely. the laugh. Or we can do a laugh track. <laughs> Sometimes you have to find humor in the hard things, and so I will just say if I end up making a lot of jokes through this episode. It is both because I'm uncomfortable with this topic because it hits so close to home and also because sometimes you just need to keep the mood light. Um, So maybe it's also fine that I am currently sitting in a pool of water after I just (laughs) spilled my Is it on your butt? It's on your butt. (laughs) It's fine. Um, So, okay, circling back to our topic of conversation. um, The other reason that I picked this episode is because I don't currently have a functioning laptop because I'm in between jobs. And so I needed to choose a topic that um, I had enough reference to that I don't have to do a ton of research on. Also, this topic just in general has been weighing heavy on my mind and I thought it would help to have a conversation with you, and to also get some input and advice from our listeners. Uh, So this week we are talking about how to best support those we love who are living with mental illness. Um, And although a lot of the notes that we have today will be in the context of supporting or being supported by a romantic partner, a lot of these suggestions will also apply across different kinds of relationships, like family relationships, friendships, etc. And just as Kylie said... um that this is a heavy episode. We are going to be discussing some distressing topics today, including the complex ins and outs of living with mental illness and including a deep dive in depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and more. If you yourself live with mental illness or if the topic of mental illness may cause you stress or discomfort, just proceed with caution. Um, We know that talking about these challenges can elicit a wide range of emotions and we want you to be sure that you're taking care of yourself and that we're doing our part to care for you too. Perfect. I'll also add here that you don't have to be in a relationship or currently dating someone to listen to or benefit from this week's episode. If you've been around a while or know me, you probably know that I am as single as they come and have been single for a while now. So I am not drawn to this topic because of my current relationship status, but because this topic does still affect me on a nearly daily basis. Um, Dating has been really hard for me the past few years and much of the stress that it causes me stems from the way The close relationships in the past have kind of exasperated my anxiety and depression. 
But I've been committed to using this time in between relationships to really broaden my own understanding of how my depression and OCD have impacted the outcome of past relationships. And I've been doing this self-reflecting, not in like a critical way, but just because I wanted to look back on my role in past relationships, not with judgment or with shame, but I just want to learn from past mistakes. I just want to learn how to better communicate my needs in relationships and how I can foster more openness with future partners. And that will also help me support them in any of their individual needs. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, I also wanted to get advice from listeners who may have personal experience in this realm. So I did recap some of the insight and feedback I received from all of you through Instagram earlier this week. Thank you so much to everyone who did share. We do love to pull an audience. We love to, to call on you. Um, and I learned so much just from reading people's experiences. And it really, really helped me work through some of my own insecurities in this realm. So thank you again. Um, these experiences were shared by those who are currently living with mental illness um, and them talking about their experience and how it affects their relationships or those who are supporting a partner who currently lives with mental illness. So, Soraya, can you help me read this, these submissions? Yes, absolutely. So, um, first listener, they said, I'm always worried I'll do or say something stupid. This has led me to have anxious attachment. Second person said, my anxiety makes me doubt everything. Third, I have to actively learn to say when I'm not feeling well. Someone else said, I'm always second guessing. Maybe they don't really like me. Maybe I'm bugging them. Someone else said, my partner and I will always have differing perspectives. It helps me to understand that about each other. Mental illness makes relationships much harder than they should be. Trusting is harder and withdrawing is a constant temptation that you have to fight against. My husband doesn't experience any mental illness, but I have BPD, MDD, PTSD with psychosis and panic disorder. It's a lot to handle and he's getting better, but he will never truly understand. At this point, I've been getting support from some family members and friends. They all understand what I'm experiencing better based on personal experience. It was hard for my husband in the beginning, but now he has an understanding that he won't be able to fully give me what I need and he encourages me to talk to other people when I need to. Someone said, my partner is hilarious, which is great when my mental health is causing me to fall apart. Try your best not to act like your partner's mental illness or disability is an inconvenience to you. Practical help is always nice, but it's also important to assure your partner that they are not a burden on you and that you are happy to help. I love that. At the beginning of my relationship, there was a lot of tension as my partner felt guilt for not being enough to make me happy or stable, as if he was responsible for my mental health. We also missed a lot of shared opportunities to do things together because of my mental health. Last submission that we'll read together is, they said, take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, and physically. Supporting a partner with a mental or physical disability can be draining and take a big toll on your body and mind. So many good thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did anything stand out from you? Yeah, the theme of how hard it can be. <laughs> Whether you're experiencing this or supporting those who are in distress, I think for a long time, and thank goodness that we've moved past this, um, people discounted mental illness and hardship because you couldn't always see the physical toll that it takes on you. Physical health has always felt like it takes priority. And there are support groups for people who consistently support someone going through physical therapy or treatment, but we don't often feel supported when we are providing help and aid to someone with mental health. Amen. I also know that we, between the two of us, have some differing experiences in the realm as well. And I thought it could be helpful to share how our experiences have differed. So 
if you feel comfortable sharing, um, could you just share with listeners if you've had any experiences supporting a partner, living with mental illness, or being supported by a partner in your own mental health challenges, and what have you learned from either? I'll do you one better and share both. Perfect. Because Caleb and I are just like ripe with (laughs) mental health distress. (laughs) Um, So Caleb deals with a lot of anxiety and scrupulosity. That's how you say that word? How do you say it? Um, I'm going to just say not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. This is a different than someone who expresses a lot of concerns or who is scared of everything for Caleb. This looks like him constantly running through worst case scenarios or having a paralyzing reaction to something dangerous that's happening to a loved one or voicing his fears aloud to me and to whether these fears are rational or not doesn't matter because they are very real to Caleb. And sometimes my role as a partner to him is to listen and respond with validation. Other times it is to game plan or talk him down from a metaphorical ledge. Um, And then there are times that I just hold him. Um, I have had to learn to not pass judgment on situations where his anxiety is heightened. Mm. And I don't mean pass judgment like belittle him. It's more like belittling the situation. Mm. I used to think it was comforting for me to say something along the lines of it's not a big deal. Because to me, it isn't, and I wanted him to know that he shouldn't worry. Um, but yeah, there's a time and place for that phrase. <laughs> or you can change the meaning by saying, it isn't a big deal to me, but I can see that it is to you. I want to understand better. So that's my support um, for Caleb with mental health. Love that. And then Caleb has supported me through my depression and trauma. We just like have the, we, we complete the whole. <laughs> um, Two perfect halves. <laughs> And I've been doing therapy for about four of our five married years. At first, I did it because I was interested in being a therapist. I still am. Um, then I did it because I had a traumatic pregnancy um, and continued to do it because um, I was feeling really low even after a, another traumatic delivery <laughs> and with my baby being in the NICU. Therapy has helped me to navigate relationships, my faith, my boundaries. It's helped me unpack childhood and adolescent trauma that I didn't know was impacting me at the time. Um, but recently, therapy hasn't been enough for for me, <laughs> for me to cope. And I actually just started on my first medication. Woo! <laughs> I love antidepressants. <laughs> Woo! Um, Caleb most recently helped me with this because I was feeling so low that I couldn't make the call to schedule an appointment with my doctor. Um, he's validated me every step of the way, making sacrifices to his schedule. And he just, you know, wants to make sure that I'm safe and happy. We have both had significant others in our lives that didn't allow us to feel safe. And so I think that's just been priority number one Mm -hmm. for us to each other. And it really manifests in the way that we treat each other with our mental health. It also helps that I'm going to grad school to become a therapist and he's going to be a psychiatrist. (laughs) You truly are two perfect halves of the whole. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for being willing to share. And I think there's just a lot of power in vulnerability. I think that's going to be a central theme of this episode and potentially of a future episode as well that I've had in my mind too. Um, But living with mental illness really can feel so impossible, so hopeless, But as much pain as it can cause those living with it, it can also be really difficult to be in a relationship with someone who's experiencing mental illness um, because when we love someone, we want to do anything we can to relieve some bit of their pain. Mm -hmm. And 
especially when we see that our partner's illness might be causing them pain. Um, it's really hard to distinguish that emotional pain from like any emotional pain they may feel related to us and mm-hmm. our relationship. So it's important to remember that in any partnership, our role is not to prevent our loved ones from ever experiencing pain or discomfort or those low lows. Um, our role is really only to empower and support our partner as they ride the highs and the lows. I love that. And everything in between. I really like especially to empower and support. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Let's talk through some meaningful ways that we can offer a partner support through their mental health challenges. Then we will talk through some ways that we can help ourselves if we are the supporting partner. Sound good? Let's do it. Love the enthusiasm as always. Um, So Soraya, we are going to cover seven tips for supporting a partner. Can you give us an overview of the seven tips we'll cover? Yes. So supporting loved ones experiencing with mental health and illness. Um, we're going to cover educating yourself, listening to and validating your partner's experience, asking questions for clarification, encouraging treatment where possible, showing your partner and yourself patience, especially on bad days, encouraging a wide support system, and lastly, knowing warning signs of crisis. Perfect. So now that listeners know what to expect, you can also be thinking through any additional notes or any things that you may want to add mm-hmm. to that list. And I'll touch base with you again later in the episode to see if there's anything else you think of. Those are excellent just from now. I think the only thing I can think of is to check in often with yourself and your partner. A very good reminder, especially because none of the tips we mentioned will be easy to implement all at once. And they're really not meant to be implemented all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know lists in general can feel overwhelming. We love lists. (laughs) I mean, if you've been here, you know we love lists. But... I'll also give a reminder in the challenge segment of our episode that even if you just choose one of these things to focus on um, and give a little bit more of your time and attention to, I think the impact on your relationship could be huge. So with that, number one, educating yourself. It's important to remember that it isn't our partner's responsibility to educate us on the nuances of any mental health challenges that they are experiencing. Before asking a question about their diagnosis, ask yourself, is this something that I could Google? (laughs) As we should always ask ourselves yes, this. before asking any question. Um, if the answer is yes, it's probably not a question that you should ask your partner. A good rule to live by. As an example, um, so if you know that your partner has been recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder and you know that bipolar disorder can cause sudden and severe shifts in mood, you may start to wonder what is the scientific cause of these mood swings. Um, that would be a great question to look up. <laughs> On the contrary... If you have questions about how your partner's health condition impacts their experience directly, you could check in with your partner and ask if they're comfortable with you asking some questions about it, and then they can let you know when a good time and place might be for them to have that conversation with you if they're comfortable. You could also ask them, because like Google obviously is going to have a broad spectrum of resources Mm -hmm. available to them, to yourself, so if you feel comfortable, you could ask your partner, like, what is the best resource that I could look into so that I'm not burdening you with all my questions, but also I know that it's a reliable source that is going to be similar to your experience. Getting ahead of me. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's perfect. We're on the same wavelength. I love Um, it. Once you understand more about your partner's diagnosis, you can also look up support tactics. Colleen. Colleen. Oh, (laughs) 
I'm so embarrassed. Colleen O'Day <laughs> wrote an article for NAMI. Hey, I was a NAMI. Um, NAMI stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, in which she said, understanding your partner's diagnosis can make it easier to identify how to be there for them when things get tough. For example, if your partner lives with generalized anxiety disorder, experts recommend not glossing over their worries by blindly reassuring them things will turn out okay. Instead, support their development of problem-solving and resilience skills. If your partner expresses anxiety, ask about their specific concerns and listen as they create a plan that addresses them. Perfect. I also, this is where I'll get to um, that part that you mentioned earlier about like um, knowing the resources that we can share with our partners. Um, So I love the use of that because... Mm -hmm. I'm going to add something here from my personal experience. Um, I will add a trigger warning for sexual violence, um, but I experienced a physically and sexually abusive relationship in my late teens, early 20s that left a lot of scars. And the trauma that I experienced throughout this relationship compounded with my pre-existing high levels of anxiety has made dating and intimacy feel nearly impossible. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But one of the hardest things in relationships for me has just been learning to speak up and communicate my needs and the ways that anxiety impacts my daily functioning. So I was talking to one of my friends recently and they mentioned um, how it can be okay for us to encourage our partners to read or research um, into the emotional or psychological effects of, a, you know, a traumatic event. And in my case, it was the sexual trauma. Right. And that insight blew me away. I never even thought to do that. Um, I don't think it's too much of us to ask a person that we're in partnership with to take time to learn what makes us who we are and how they can support us um, in whatever healing journey we may be on. That being said, um, like you had just said, Sarai, like it's important that we also do the research ourselves to find materials like books, articles, medical journals, etc., that we could share with a partner who may want to learn more. So mm-hmm. uh, one of my immediate goals for myself is to find some of those materials that I feel accurately and comprehensively speak to my experience with anxiety and depression so that I can share those should that situation come up again in the future. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing your personal experience about that too, Kylie. Um, After we've done our part to learn about our partner, the next step for us is to listen to and validate our partner's experience. As a lot of listeners mentioned in their Instagram comments, it can be hard to feel understood by a loved one who has never experienced mental illness. And the space between those living with mental illness and those working to support them can only be closed as far as we're willing to communicate and to listen openly and especially without judgment. We can't save our partners from experiencing grief, anxiety, or any other difficult emotion, but we can sit by them and reassure them and remind them of our love and care for them. And do you have any strategies for how to listen or respond to a partner, especially if they're like in the middle of a mental health crisis? Mm -hmm. Just as you said, sometimes our loved ones don't want a solution right away, but they want to be heard and validated. Sometimes they want help in starting to get their needs met like me needing Caleb to call the doctor for me because I wasn't able to. A big thing to understand is that oftentimes when someone's mental health is causing them distress, they're going to feel like they are a burden to you and everyone. They may want to isolate. So help them to know that they're loved and important to you. Um, and that was going to go miles. Absolutely. I loved that thought and those feelings definitely resonated with me, um, feeling like a burden in a relationship when we have needs that maybe even just aren't conventional needs. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that is the hard thing as well as like, even just in terms of how relationships are represented in the media, yeah. like how often do you see 
accurate depictions of someone experiencing mental health challenges Mm -hmm. and being supported in a healthy and loving way by a partner who doesn't treat them like a burden or anyways 100 percent. so we also may need to kind of adapt the way that we speak to and respond to our partners based on their communication styles and maybe even their love language i don't think that the idea of love languages actually have like (laughs) scientific backing but man so, did that take off a few years ago <laughs> it really did someone made a lot of money off it regardless but um so i'm not say, knocking it either if that's something that you subscribe to right there right. are lots of things that i think click and make sense for people absolutely and so i was just gonna say like even if it's not like in the typical love language um specific um categories that we we've referred to um I do think that it's true that we all appreciate receiving love and feedback differently so absolutely um that's definitely something that we could talk to our partners about and just make sure that we understand how they want to be reassured and how we can provide meaningful feedback and um advice to them if that is something that they're looking for also if there's any doctors out there who are listening um Soraya could use some medical advice um so we're having this issue where we have to we have to record sitting on the floor right now because of some extenuating circumstances we need to sit close to the couch so that the sound doesn't carry into the cavernous room just know that we're listening and hearing your feedback about how our sound quality is horrible we're trying new things every time they just also haven't, haven't solved the problem yet. right so yeah again i'm currently sitting on a wet floor and we are recording under a uh, blanket fort that yeah. we created um but sorry i was having an issue where she loses circulation in her legs yeah only when i'm sitting though does anyone else have this like my butt cheeks fall asleep so fast like i think some people if you're sitting crisscross applesauce or um yeah like just sitting on the ground like maybe 30 minutes into it you're like mm, my legs are numb yeah, or so like far, i'm nothing tingling for me really nothing? nothing oh my goodness but it does Something's sound like a medical question you could google yeah or i asking. mean ask my partner who's about to graduate oh, yeah. medical school <laughs> okay okay so you have a strategy in place <laughs> perfect um we just want to get you the help that you need um just like how <laughs> we are trying to show Support to our partners. I am shocked at this transition. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, so the third thing that we can do is ask questions for clarification. It's okay if after listening to your partner explain their feelings, if we don't fully understand the situation. If we lead with care and respect, we can show that while we don't understand now, we hope to understand better with time. But also, we don't have to fully understand what our partner's experience feels like to support them. When thinking of follow-up questions we can ask, it may be helpful to think whether we should lead with an open-ended question or a close-ended question. For example, is it more helpful, most helpful to ask our partner, what do you need right now, which is an open-ended question, or to suggest a direct solution like, can I bring you dinner tonight, which is close-ended. And I think the difference in when you would want to use one or the other is probably going to depend on <clears throat> how your partner feels about having to make a decision right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me personally, if someone, if I'm like in midst full anxiety yeah. mode, if someone's like, tell me how I can help you right now, I'm going to be like, um, I can't tell, tell you. you. Nope. You're a close-ended question person for sure. Yeah, I know yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to get a better response out of you if I ask you a close on a question. You just say yes or no. A yes or no question, I'll be great at. Anything more than that, <laughs> you're not going to get it from me. Uh, but some other suggestions for questions that could open the door to more conversation with a partner who's struggling um, could be, what's on your mind? Have you done, what have you done for yourself today? 
Are you sleeping and eating regularly? Are there any signs you're struggling that I should be aware of and look for? What might progress with your mental health look like? Are there any topics of conversation that we should avoid? Are there any behaviors I can change to be mindful not to cause further harm? I really like these questions. I do too. I will be implementing immediately. The fourth thing that we can do is encourage treatment where possible. So mental health challenges can cause a person to lose their motivation and drive, which can make it really hard for an individual to seek treatment or solutions for their mental illness. I am poster child (laughs) right now. According to NAMI, um, they say most people with depression need treatment to recover. But just because most individuals experiencing mental illness may benefit from treatment options doesn't mean it's easy to approach the topic of treatment with just anyone. So Kylie, what are the advice and tips and tricks for bringing up the option of treatment with a partner? Perfect. Um, so I do have a couple. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm going to first list some steps we can use to encourage a partner to consider treatment options that were given by psychcom.net. And then we can give an example and practice a little bit. Ooh. So first they suggest share the symptoms that you've noticed. Express your concern. Express your willingness to help. Include making and preparing for any appointments. Discuss what you've learned about depression or I would add any other mental illness that they might be experiencing. Talk about treatment options including psychotherapy, medication, or lifestyle changes. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, but we are going to do kind of a role play scenario. Yeah. We're just adding things to the episode, new things each time. Uh-huh. Last time video clip, now we're just going to... Uh, yeah, we're going to just start doing some... Who knows what's going to be next week? Oh. We're, we're going to watch a movie <laughs> all together. <laughs> um, so do you want to be the person experiencing mental illness or do you want to be the person who is a supportive partner? I will be the supportive partner. Okay, Perfect. So in this scenario, you have noticed that I'm really withdrawing. Mm-hmm. I've become um, really irritable. I None of these are new things. Let me try something <laughs> new. Um, I'm not sleeping and right. my eating patterns are changing. And I just seem generally like I have very little motivation or drive. And we have not <clears throat> talked yet about these things before. No, this is our, this is our conversation. This is oh, the okay. talk the talk okay so you're gonna first um you're gonna first share the symptoms you've noticed okay kylie i feel like i've noticed that you've sent me texts early in the morning um and that when we've gone out together you've gotten drinks but you haven't gotten any food Mm -hmm. um and I'm worried about the lack of sleep and that you're not giving your body the food that it needs to survive and thrive on. How are you feeling right now? I'm not doing great. I'm not doing so hot. Mm. I could, I could, um, I feel like if this is a real life situation, I would just hug you. <laughs> no, you're supposed to suggest treatment. Oh. <laughs> well, Kylie, thanks for being vulnerable with me and for sharing those hard things that you're going through right now. Um, do you want those things to change? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to feel like this forever. Is for it, sure. ca- is it causing you distress? I guess is. Yeah, I just feel like I can't manage what I need to. Like I'm having trouble going to work. I'm having trouble like with friendships and. Okay. Um. Yeah, I do. I want to see some change. Okay. Well, I feel like there are some steps that we can do to get you the help that you need. 
have you met with a provider before to talk about these feelings and these behaviors? Um, no, I'm not sure if it's at that level where I need to meet with someone. Are you still meeting with your therapist? Um, I actually ghosted him. Kylie. Okay, I was, trying, I was trying to give some, like, resistance, you know, having to overcome some resistance. Um, okay, end scene. <laughs> I feel so bad. I feel like that was really bad role-playing. It's because I put you on the spot. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, uh, if we were to look back at that role-play, um, what would you have added or what would you change about the steps? Is there anything that you would have done differently? I don't know. I feel like this is actually genuinely very hard because... Because I didn't feel authentic, I felt like my questions and, like, behaviors were not authentic to how I would respond in real life. But um, I would hope that I would know more things that are going on in your life. Like, maybe I did know that you ghosted your therapist. And, like, mm-hmm. I could ask you, are you not feeling um, comfortable with your therapist anymore? Is that, like, part of what is making you to feel these things and maybe initiated some of the behavioral changes. When did this start happening for you? Mm-hmm. I know that winter yeah, is usually timeline. harder for you. Um, and that you've got a light therapy box. Like, are you getting to use those tools that you already knew that you needed during this time that is very hard for you? Um, and then, yeah, talking about treatment. Um, I feel like my first, um, line of defense would be to encourage people to go see their practitioner. Um, just because even if it's not a specialist, even if it's genuinely your primary yeah. care physician, they are going to have a good basis to get you started on, yep. ask you the right questions, um, send you to specialists if you need it. Um, or yeah, like, and that's also the thing that gets the ball rolling that is difficult so like this is the thing that I struggled with right and then as soon as I was able to get into that appointment I was able to do all these different things that have increased my mood and my energy levels that were feeling really depleted during my depression absolutely and obviously I think that conversation would feel more (laughs) genuine and authentic if we were not in the scenario so that was not on you I really threw you into it Uh, if that that whole part gets cut out then we know why um but no I think it's also just good to even know and we're going to talk more about like warning signs as well like you know what should you be looking for like Mm -hmm. is it enough if your friend just says that they've had like a couple down weeks like is that a symptom of depression or is that just a sign that they're like going through a rut, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times we don't know how to bring up the topic of mental health, even with our close friends. Um, It can be really easy to just be like, oh, I know my friend's been having a hard time recently. Um, But actually knowing and educating yourself on the symptoms of common mental health problems um, can help us also know when intervention is necessary and encouraged. Yeah. Also, perhaps your willingness to help after treatment is offered is, you know, a good step to have. For example, if my partner were to take medications, um, he would benefit from me giving him reminders just because even alarms on his phone are usually forgotten. That's the only reason I want a partner. <laughs> I always you forget everything. Physical reminders. Just, okay, girl, I got you. Oh, okay, thank you. I'll send you voice memos. You're the best. You know, um, you know me. But also... Um, Something that Caleb and I do is after we have our meetings, our separate meetings with our therapist, um, uh, we need time to decompress. And so Caleb and I usually will chat after each of those therapy sessions. Um, 
Yeah, it's just important for the person with mental health concerns and the one supporting them to know that treatment is an immediate fix and that they should communicate during and after treatment, I guess is my point. Yeah, and especially when you're starting a new medication, I would Mm -hmm. say it's like super important that you have someone there as kind of like an accountability partner where like if there was any kind of big fluctuation in your mood or in your mental health, that someone would notice and pick up on that. So like Mm -hmm. for me, I used my family as that, but like... Um, the last time I was starting a medication, I did check in with them frequently in those first couple of weeks um, just to make sure because a lot of symptoms or side effects of um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications um, could even be worsening mental health if right. it isn't the right fit for you. And I definitely had that experience on several um, <laughs> medications before I found the right one. Um me and Cymbalta, we were a perfect match. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just make sure that you have someone that you're checking in with, whether it is after therapy or after starting a medication to make sure that, um, you know, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. All right. And then number five is showing our partner and ourselves patience, especially on bad days. And again, we aren't going to get it right on the first time or the second time or the hundredth time that we're trying to offer help. But I think consistent effort coupled with consistent rest is key. So just important to consider how we're also measuring the success of our efforts to help a loved one. So I think if all we're doing is measuring our success based on how our partner's feeling, Mm -hmm. that is not a fair standard (laughs) to hold ourselves to. Um, You can do everything in the world to help someone and you are still not going to cure them Mm -hmm. of um, their health challenges so how would you measure success well um that's a great question everything that you just said (laughs) totally impacts that um I think a good way to measure would be based off of your communication so Mm -hmm. how comfortable are you with talking to each other about how you're feeling oh that's a good one and as another reminder just of the importance of taking care of yourself um just remember the analogy of the oxygen mask in airplanes so you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can put on someone else's. Mm-hmm. And as much as we want to help others, we just can't help anyone if we aren't first taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Anything else that you'd say on that? No, I think you nailed it. That's great. Number six is to encourage a wide support system. So actually, this is great building off of the last one because you can't do everything yourself. It's important that there are other people involved in this individual's life. The quickest way to burn out as a partner is by supporting a loved one in crisis um, if you're the only one that's aware of those health challenges and the only one that they're turning to regularly. So encourage your partner to widen their support network if they're having trouble making friends. Um, Might we suggest taking a listen to last week's episode? (laughs) Just a little plug for ourselves in our own episode. Um, Support could also come in the form of, you know, family members, coworkers, or even a support group. Um, I know a couple of people that um, go to support groups and love them, and they can be a great option, especially to connect with others who are experiencing similar challenges. And they can also find understanding and support in the safe, guided conversations that mm-hmm. take place there. Um, it can feel like a place you can confide in people. And a lot of the challenges of like trying to open up to people about your mental health is reduced because um, you both already know that you're struggling <laughs> with right. something similar because you're both in the same support group. So at least for me, um, I, I have gone to a couple of support groups as well, and that's been helpful just that I didn't have to feel like I needed to approach someone 
and then somehow bridge the conversation right. between how I'm doing and like, oh, I'm not doing great. Let's talk through my crippling depression. It was probably a better conversation than the fake one we had just now. It probably was. I should have just recorded that one and implemented it here. Um, but yeah, I think look out for those people whose um, support does feel um, fulfilling to you. Yeah. Um, I think that's the right word I'm looking for. Um, I think even with our friends, like at least for me, there's there's friends who I would turn to mid um, mental health um, crisis. <laughs> and then there's some friends who... I would call to run an errand with, but probably wouldn't um, call if I was in the middle of a mental health crisis, which isn't bad. Like friendships come in all shapes and sizes and Mm -hmm. forms and um, purposes, but um, it's just good to know who are those people who you can call. Um, I remember for me about a year ago now when I was um, looking to start on a medication, I was having a lot of trouble feeling okay about it because I had tried so many different medications before that had, in my mind, made me feel worse and um, also had a lot of really hard physical side effects, um, a lot of nausea and sickness. And like, I was just worried about being able to maintain a job while I was adjusting to a new medication. And I just felt all all around really nervous about it. Mm. Um, and I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and they essentially told me like, well, you can pretty much just like meditate your way out of anxiety. Like, why don't you just meditate more? And that was so hard <laughs> for me to hear when yeah. I like really needed and I, and no judgment. Like, honestly, if someone is able to meditate on a daily basis and find peace in that, good on you. Like, I wish <laughs> that my brain allowed me any clarity. I don't think that, that would work for a lot of people that are experiencing distress with anxiety. I'm like, if you give me more time to sit with my thoughts, I will be worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is also why a, a lot of people that have mental health concerns um, in like religious scenarios and situations when they're told like, just have more faith or mm. like ask that the Lord will take it away from you. It feels unhelpful, even if the intentions are good. Yeah, and absolutely. it may work for that person who is not experiencing anxiety, but has experienced worry before. Yeah. And praying has solved that worry for them. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't apply in this situation. And yeah. so to be honest, it feels more hurtful. Um, yeah. yeah. I think in these situations, we have to trust that someone who's experiencing the mental health concerns themselves knows what's best for them, right? And mm-hmm. that when they are making a decision, especially a decision that they've consulted doctors about right. um, and other professionals, um, that they are going to make the decision that they want to and need to. And our role is not to change their mind. Um, but our role is just to offer that support as they do take a step forward in whatever direction they decide to choose. Um, and I know that there's a lot of stigma around medication, but um, I would just say that regardless of what someone's personal um, feelings are about medication, that it should never be something that we are telling someone else mm-hmm. not to try if that's what they have been um, told to. The last thing that we want to talk about today is knowing the warning signs of crisis when not only are you needing help um, from another support system, but you need help immediately. And that is because you're worried about the life of a loved one. So we're going to talk about the risks of suicide and some some things to look for. Um, know that there are 
hotlines that you can call and um, physicians and ERs, but these are the things that you should look for. The first one being extreme mood swings, where you have a very high one day, um, where like almost manic, and then you're deeply discouraged the next. You can also look for signs of social withdrawal, or if your partner does show a preoccupation with thoughts of death. Noticeable changes in their normal daily routines should be something that you notice, and feelings of being overwhelmed with hopelessness. Also, if your partner is engaging in any kind of risky or self-destructive behavior, that could include any use of alcohol or drugs um, or some kind of reckless driving. Yeah, and specifically abuse with drug and alcohol yeah. use. Um, you want to take note if they're giving away belongings or saying goodbye to people. Really any kind of like symptom of them getting their affairs in order um, or developing really large changes in their personality and like daily functioning. Um, so yeah, again, even though those are only a couple of the signs to look mm-hmm. for. Um, and no one in itself also is going to be like that they are having suicide ideation. Right, right. Um, and if you do see any one or a few of these things, um, it's okay to also bring it up and just say, hey, I noticed this thing. Um, can we talk about it? Can we yeah. have a conversation about it? And that might also give you more insight into where their head is at. Um, and if you do have, again, concerns with their life being in danger, um, then we want to make sure that they have, um, immediate, you know, that you have immediate recourse, that they have immediate resources. Um, so we will make sure that we also put some of those resources in our show notes. Um, just make sure that you do have those somewhere accessible and safe and convenient, um, to pull out if needed. And, um, with that, those are the seven things to look for. Um, so this week, our challenges may differ a little bit, um, depending on who you are and what your circumstances are. So whether you are an individual looking for support from a partner as you've experienced mental illness, or if you are the partner looking to lend support, um, we'll have a couple of different suggestions. Mm -hmm. The seven points that we covered, um, and like Kylie said earlier, you can just pick one or two things that you want to focus your efforts on this week on um first being again educate yourself two listen to and validate your partner's experience three ask questions for clarification four encourage treatment where possible five show your partner and yourself patience especially on bad days six encourage a wide support system and seven know the warning signs of crisis and then we'll just add that if you are the person who is experiencing mental health challenges It could also be helpful to choose one or two of these things that you would appreciate your partner focusing on um, and then have a vulnerable conversation with them and make sure that, and maybe it isn't even one of those direct seven that we did talk through, but um, make sure that they understand um, what you need in that relationship um, and what ways they can show you support that will be the most meaningful. And then also find ways to thank them and show them encouragement when they do something that is really helpful, pause and... Yeah, give them validation yeah. and like credit for doing that thing. Absolutely. And that will encourage more of those behaviors mm-hmm. for sure. We love some positive reinforcement. Absolutely. As always, we love to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback on this episode and our podcast as a whole. Do us an immense favor and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to submit your But Now What Moments on the website for a chance to be featured on socials, the podcast, or potentially even motivate a future episode topic. Woo woo.
that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening and stay curious, folks. And remember to keep asking, but but now now what? what?